funkier than the first time you heard the beat nuts. Busy like an August afternoon in Flushing Meadows Park? We're back for another episode of the Rumble in the Garden podcast. This is Norman Rose, your host, and today we're getting all amped up about the matchup with the 16th-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils out in Los Angeles at the Staples Center this Friday. Or as Herm Edwards would say, Devils, where you from, son? You can find us online at, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on SB Nation. And if you're listening to this podcast, won't you take a little time and give us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher? It helps people find us and helps this podcast look good. Send us your listener questions wherever you should find us, or on email at rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. That's rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. Let's get right to it. We've got Max from House of Sparky on the SB Nation Network. We've got listener questions, and let's get it going. And welcome back to the Rumble in the Garden podcast. Again, this is Norman of Rumble in the Garden. Uh, we are here with Max from Arizona State's uh, House of Sparky, or really House of Sparky on the SB Nation Network covering Arizona State. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Norman? I am great. Right now it's, uh, what, Wednesday night? I don't even know what night it is. Um, we are three hours away in terms of a uh, time zone, which is weird. You know, St. John's going out to play so far west, and even for Arizona State, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a, you know, still a road trip, but one that, that has got to feel a little bit normal for them. Um, but before we go into the St. John's Arizona State matchup at the Staples Center this Friday, uh, part of the Hall of Fame Classic, uh, Max, tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find you and your work. So uh, my name is Max Madden. It's uh, at Maxwell with one L and Maxwell on uh, on Twitter at Maxwell Madden on Twitter. Uh, I am the co-managing editor of HouseOfSparky.com, so we cover Arizona State athletics. And we're, we actually run a little bit differently at House of Spark in the most SB Nation sites. We have a really heavy focus on uh, really objective journalism. Uh, so you won't really call, hear me calling ASU us or anything like that because we're at the Cronkite School of Journalism. So uh, we're a little bit different. Got to do uh, Walter right. <laughs> that's right. We got to do Cronkite right. But uh, yeah, at Maxwell Madden on Twitter. And I've uh, been covering ASU basketball for now two years. And I try to get to every away game that I can. Great. You know... <clears throat> I'll say that one thing that uh, on our side at Rumble in the Garden is that, you know, I, I don't purport to be, you know, actually like fully objective. Obviously, mm -hmm. everybody who's gotten involved with the site is, you know, in some way interested in St. John's and St. John's basketball. But I think that that's something that we pride ourselves on. And I think we've built ourselves on as well, that we've been, uh, you know, fairly fair. You know, we don't mm -hmm. go too hard. We're not like, oh, these guys are bums. Well, you know, we understand <laughs> that they're student athletes, but we're also not, you know, I would like to think not complete homers, you know. Um, you know, we're willing to, to abide by, you know, reasonable debate and mm -hmm. logic and things like that, which, you know, is sometimes lacking. But I think that at least the St. John's fans that are around are uh, pretty rational and reasonable uh, are the asu fans that, that uh read house of sparky are they generally on the rational reasonable side um it depends on the topic for sure we've had a lot of turmoil at the moment with our uh current football program with the hiring of herm edwards of yes, course please I'm tell sure us heard. about that please please <laughs> it you know it's not a name that we had on our big board and we had about 30 names on there uh we knew that ray anderson the athletic director had nfl ties but i'm not sure any of us 
expected him to go out and sign his buddy that he was a former agent of uh, back in the NFL. So it's been a, pretty much a media circus recently with everyone kind of flying in and the press conference really, uh, really perpetuated that circus mentality. With the, with the corporate speak and uh, Herm Edwards particular Herm Edwards-ness. New York fans know Herm well from his time mm-hmm. with the Jets. I know mm-hmm. personally, you know, you loved his press conferences. You loved the way that players went through the wall for him. But, you know, on the college level so far, it seems like he's a guy who maybe didn't really research the college level that much uh, yet. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the whole new leadership model, I mean, it is, I like I mentioned to you earlier before we started the the podcast i am on my winter break now so i have nothing to do for a week before my last final here at asu and i've been studying the new leadership model for a good i would say 12 of the last 48 hours and i have absolutely no clue what it is <laughs> i it, mean it is mind-boggling that press release it's the it's the kind of uh, corporate restructuring that i think makes sense if you're drawing flow charts and you know in in my you know outside of sports work there have been a lot of flow charts they don't all make sense, and they're not all really functional, but they make somebody feel really good about how <laughs> they thought about who should report to who. Such is life. Yeah, and you have Harm Edwards, who is supposedly the CEO of this new leadership model, but it was maybe Ray Anderson's idea, but then Billy Napier, the offensive coordinator, is the brainchild, and there's only two other names involved, so the float, I mean... The flowchart is just one really long horizontal chart where everyone seems to be on the same level. Which is weird because, you know, on a football team, it's sort of like, you know, there's a guy who says, let's do this. And there are other people who execute the let's do this. But whatever. It's football. Around here, there's no football team at St. John's. That's true. Yeah. uh, The the basketball team has been far more exciting and interesting to cover so far. Yeah. And and so this whole becoming a, a, a 16th ranked team is this a complete surprise or not uh you know i think in a relatively short span i think the jump to 26 to 16 was absolutely surprising based on barely beating out uh you know san francisco really poor offensive performance i think that there was an expectation you know somewhat around the country but also here in tempe that this was going to start to come together when they actually had a uh, a front court duo Last season, of course, you know, Trey Holder and Shannon Evans and Cody Justice, all these guys that have been exploding for big games, they were all here. But the difference now is there's versatility on offense. You have Romella White, Daquan Lake, you have guard depth. And so, well, I don't think that anyone expected them to go 7-0 and with a tough schedule and 16, uh, 16th ranked in the country. Uh, you know, I think we all expected a, a pretty big improvement. So, you know, it's the third year of Bobby Hurley, third year or second year? This would be Bobby Hurley's uh, uh, third year. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, sorry. Yeah, uh, just no blanked for a second. Uh, you know, remembering him at Buffalo. So it's Bobby Hurley's third year, and you know, just like here, you know, Chris Mullen, there's an expectation that the third year would be good. But I know that a lot of fans here had some trepidation about what that third year would look like. You know, there's some obvious flaws Mm. on St. John's and was there the same feeling with Hurley, you know, that maybe he couldn't get over the hump? Well, he's recruited at a high level here for each of the three years. I think last year there was a lot of excitement around the program. They had signed a couple international guys in Jethro Tishampa and Ramon Vila to sort of complement both Trey Holder and Cody justice that he inherited and then also Shannon Evans that he brought along, like you said, from Buffalo. 
And then they had Sam Cunliffe, who was a top 50 uh, player in the country coming out of Rainier Beach in Seattle. And like I said, I mean, there's an expectation for this team to be really good last year. And then all of a sudden, eight games in, Cunliffe transfers after being pretty much overwhelming or underwhelming. And then Jethro and Ramon Villa never really put it together, kind of, you know, that prototypical big man that is super athletic but never really grasps the game and kind of has foul trouble. So I think that there, you knew that if he... I mean, if you're if you're getting top 100 guys, it's eventually going to pan out. It it's difficult to swing and miss on you know six or seven of those. And the guys that he has brought in that are top 100 guys now, and Romello White, Remy Martin, uh, like I've mentioned before, and uh, even Kamani Lawrence, the couple games he played in the preseason have panned out. So I think it was just a matter of time until the guys that he picked out and recruited that came in, you know, with a lot of expectations actually actually panned out and started producing. Uh, to Shumpa, he transferred to. Uh, to Shumpa, I, Ramon Vila left the program, and I'm unsure actually where he is going from there. He, I mean, barely got any time, and it was clear now Romello White and Daquan Lake are where they're going uh, in terms of the front court. I mean, they've been absolutely dominant. Jethro, I am, I know he's not with the team anymore. I'm not entirely sure where he is as of now. And Shannon Evans transferred? <laughs> uh, Shannon did- Evans came, uh, came from Buffalo with Hurley. Yeah, but did he? Uh, did he? Oh, he's still there. Sorry, my bad. I was trying to remember which one was still there because I remember yeah, there was a turnover. There. My bad. Um, so okay, you've got Romello White, mm-hmm. who seems to be ultra powerful, really strong inside. Tell us a little bit about his game. Well, he's kind of changed the trajectory of how ASU's offense is run. Last season, I applaud Bobby Hurley for what he was able to do with the team. They really only win about six or seven deep, and now they're only about eight or nine deep, uh, especially with Kaimani Lawrence getting injured, maybe more like eight. But Romello's been, like you said, really powerful on the inside. He's only 6'8", so he's not really monstrous, but even just having any sort of a post presence, some, a guy that's you know able to get rebounds, but also athletic enough to finish around the rim as opposed to directly underneath it has really been a boost for ASU. And he is just, I mean... 15 points a game, 9.3 rebounds. That's something that they were getting out of a guy named Obina Aleka from last year. But Aleka was more of a, a true three that was pushed to play at the five, and it was just a disaster. And so now they're playing with two, you know, kind of stretch fours and Romello White and Daquan Lake. But, uh, I mean, Romello's getting a ton of minutes, a ton of experience his freshman year, and shooting about 70% from the field underneath, which is pretty dominant. So with White, are there any weaknesses or with White and Daquan Lake? Because, you know, I'm looking at these games and I'm like, wow, these are, these are some pretty good players. I guess there was a one, one game where uh, Romello White only scored four against Xavier. But mm-hmm. other than that, he has been a double-digit scorer, uh, near double-digit rebounder in most games. Yeah, uh, you know, he's played six games. Like you mentioned, he's scoring almost 16 points per game. He, in terms of weaknesses, he is getting spelled by Daquan Lake, who's also playing 24 minutes a game. He's 6'10". I guess maybe his only weakness is that he can't go the full, you know, 40, 40 minutes. He's he's been really good, but I mean, you, you have to question if a freshman is going to come in and produce for thirty minutes a game all season long. If he's going to be able to do that, he hasn't really gotten into into foul trouble. But one thing about the Arizona State bigs is they absolutely do not shoot around the perimeter. You know, a lot of teams are looking to get that unicorn type guy or those you know true stretch fours that can really shoot from the outside. And neither Romello White or Daquan Lake are anything like that. You will not see them, you know, pick and fade on the perimeter and, and shooting threes. So they're strictly, strictly posts, which will be 
a problem for St. John, certainly, who have, you know, a couple of skinny forwards and then Marvin Clark, who's undersized, strong enough, but certainly foul prone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most teams have struggled, even even teams with big guys. I'm not I'm not super confident in ASU's ability to be really dominant post because, like I said, outside of Romello White and Daquan Lake down there, they really only have a guy named uh, Vitaly Scheibel who's only playing 15 minutes a game but has really struggled to shoot and rebound. Uh, I mean, he's 6'9", so if he, can, if he can turn it around, they'll have some sort of depth. But, man, if, if either Romello White or Daquan Lake get injured, ASU's in trouble. So I guess the, the big thing to talk about, of course, is Trey Holder and his explosion. Can you tell us what's changed between last year and this year for Holder and why he seems to be that guard that you never heard of who's exploding as a senior? Yeah, well, he, he's always been, you know, he's always had the capability to score, uh, you know, obviously, as most Division One starting point guards do. But the difference now, as I mentioned before, is he has options. He has offensive options surrounding him that don't stop it six foot five you know Shannon Evans has also been a pretty good scorer but Holder's kind of had to carry the weight of the load and that'll often lead to high points per game but you it's hard to be the number one you know of two scoring options and actually go for 40 in a game like he has this season you know having the ability to make teams respect Romello White and Daquan Lake down low and make teams respect the fact that Cody Justice is athletic to drive but also giving Trey Holder a little bit of time off the bench, you know, from the freshman Remy Martin. So I'd say it's a combination of actually getting a little bit of rest and then having teams respect down low so that you can kind of fake that or you can kind of run around the perimeter and create a lot more open looks. So his, his shot quality is actually getting a lot better. And you can see he's shooting nearly 50% from the field and a ridiculous 48% from three-point. Pretty that impressive. Just goes to sh- yeah, that's uh, that's just going to show that his, his shot quality is going up while, you know, quantity is relatively staying the same. So with Holder and Evans, how do they split up, I guess, the point guard, ball handling, you know, who gets to be the alpha dog duties on the court? It's usually Trey Holder. I mean, the the starting lineup this weekend, probably some version of Holder, Evans, uh, Justice White, and, you know, maybe Scheibel. I'm not sure why they don't play Daquan Lake at Lake instead of Scheibel. When Holder's on the court, he's absolutely the point guard. He's the uh, he's the better passer of the two between Holder and Evans, uh, and he's a little bit of, better of a rebounder. So he is the you know the bona fide point guard. But they have Bobby Hurley has absolute confidence in in Holder being able to come out for Remy Martin, and then Shannon Evans usually runs the point when Martin, the freshman, is on the floor. All right. Um, so how do they deal against you know? pressure you know asking for a friend (laughs) yeah um they've done relatively relatively well against pressure there haven't been a ton of turnovers um you know trey holder i think through seven games now has just 14 turnovers uh the same kind of thing with with shannon evans being 12 so you expect maybe one and a half to two turnovers a game but they actually pressure teams pretty well both of those guys have 13 steals too so you know last year it would have been an immense struggle to get away from pressure because they were just so unbelievably small and not versatile enough offensively but this should be a good test and not a lot of teams have have pinned them up against the perimeter and really made Trey Holder and Shannon Evans try to eliminate them from the game and make Romello White do it all and one more style question I suppose well before we so I guess the 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 two questions that I need to like just have answered (laughs) Cody Justice is shooting something like 71 percent inside the arc 
Is he just like a dunker? Is that like 71% for a guard? How does that well, happen? Well, this is, this is something that I wrote uh, early in the pre- – one of my predictions that I wrote is that um, – I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Torian Graham, uh, who was an ASU player last year, uh, who actually didn't make it to the league, well, got signed by the Hornets and then uh, was, was dropped a few days later. But Torian Graham was this crazy just 6'6", six, six, uh, you know, probably small forward shooting guard that would just rise up and just fire shots from all over, from three-point land, just from anywhere inside the rim. And he would get so high, he would elevate his shot so high that it would be impossible to stop. And that, you know, Cody Justice was really suffering from Torian Graham being such a great third scoring option last year. Well, now Graham is gone and Cody Justice is stepping up and he is taking absolutely every advantage uh, that he can. You know, he is taking a ton of shots. He, like you said, He's just really athletic. He doesn't look super athletic on the court, you know, 6'5", 190, but he's just able to drive and move around the perimeter as quick as anyone that's about 6'1", or 6'2". And uh, in terms of shooting that well from within the arc, I mean, 56%. That's obviously not going to last. The bigger threat for Cody Justice is is, uh, is around the perimeter. And so on defense... This is, seems to be a weird thing where opponents are shooting a lot of threes and making a lot of threes. How is this happening? Well, I mean, Romello White have, and, and Daquan, Lake have been, Daquan Lake have been pretty good uh, down low in terms of blocking shots. But I don't think that's exactly why teams are, are staying away from the inside. ASU is just not a very good defensive team. They're 174th in the country, uh, you know, according to Ken Palm, in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, a big a big narrative in the offseason was Trey Holder trying to become a better perimeter defender. And uh, Remy Martin, the freshman that I mentioned a few times, brings a ton of energy. Uh, basically, will full-court press whenever he's on the court the entire time. will be the lone sun double doing that. But they're just finding looks around the outside because Trey Holder and Shannon Evans, they've never really been in a position where they're having to defend leads as they have been this season. And so teams are trying to get back in it with threes. And they know it's going to be difficult with uh, Daquan Lake uh, and, of course, Romello White down low. Once again, this is Rumble in the Garden. We're talking about Arizona State and St. John's this Friday's matchup at the Staples Center. We're here with Max from House of Sparky. That was our little station identifier. Now back to business. Um, so what, as somebody observing Arizona State, what are your fears about St. John's coming in? Well, I, I know that the, the traditional, I think, feeling around Big East teams is that they're always really balanced. I mean, you look at the best teams in the conference, and it's in terms of scoring options and being able to really put the ball in anyone's hands uh, and, and then being able to produce, whether it's, you know, some aspect of their game, whether it's passing or rebounding or sending assists. So I guess versatility in, in St. John's game was something I was going to ask you if you see a lot of that, because I feel that ASU is going to really struggle if they have an opponent that, you know, doesn't just sit around the three-point line. Hmm. Well, I can tell you that St. John's will sit around the three-point line, <laughs> but they will drive from the three-point line. The idea is to spread out the floor and then find driving lanes. And with the way that St. John's has been shooting, with the exception of uh, Marvin Clark, who might be the de facto center for stretches, um, you're going to see a lot of the guards trying to look for their shot and then trying to drive in. Um, 
there's a whole, you know, which Bashir Ahmed are we going to get today thing, which is, you know, whether he's going to, you know, uh, do a little like shoulder fake and then take threes that miss or whether he's going to be a catch and shoot forward or whether he's going to be a driving uh, wing. And uh, then Shamori Pons just finds ways of scoring and he'll go at anybody. So, you know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to not call them a team that parks out of the three. There's no real post presence. You're not going to see much post up game, but they're not going to do all of their scoring from outside the arc. If that answers that question. Yeah, that that makes sense. And then Ahmed is another guy that I was interested in, in seeing how ASU is going to try to defend. Obviously, six seven around the perimeter is elite size for a guard. And Trey Holder and Shannon Evans are nowhere near that. I, I would imagine they put Cody Justice on. Ahmed, but Justice doesn't even really start, and he's not a very good defender. Yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting matchup, I think. But you know, again, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, we try, we we speak carefully about players, but Bashir Ahmed sometimes, you know, sometimes he has the touch, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it seems like he defeats himself. Um, last year, he had a tendency to try and overdrive and try to take over. This year, he's been better. But I do think that on this two-game swing, Ahmed is or could be a difference maker um, against Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon has a set of um, Grand Canyon has a set of, has a, a couple of wings who I thought that uh, Ahmed could really go at, and I think he had some good moments in yesterday's mm-hmm. game. But uh, Arizona State's another game where you know his we don't know exactly where his, where his effect might lie. Again, if he is sharp, and if he's playing, then I think he's really deadly. Um, and he's a pretty good defender. He'll probably end up depending, defending in the post. Yeah, I would imagine, I mean, he could probably play around Romelo White. It's interesting. I think these teams are, are pretty different in their size and attack that I'm really interested to watch the defensive tactics from both coaches, to be honest. For sure, and there's a there's a strong sort of solid chance anyway that St. John's will get Marcus Levette back. He's been sitting out for two ga- games with a uh, left knee, left ankle. I I forget without it in front of me injury. And uh, if he's on the court, then size wise, he and Pons match up really well with uh, Holder and Evans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Evans is probably like the smallest one on the floor. I think he he's listed at something like one sixty, one sixty five. Um, but those two, and then Justin Simon, who's six foot five, um, would match up with Cody Justice, and he's probably been the defensive stopper. Yeah, I think that. Also, I mean, the tallest ASU gets is 6'10 down low, and then Romello is really not that big at 6'8. Uh, I would actually, I don't think Scheibel plays, I think Hurley's going to realize that, I mean, they're going to have to de- defend Ahmed, well, you know, whether or not they know if he's going to be on, because he, he brings that size that is so hard to stop. I mean, Shannon Evans, Trailer, no way they're going to stop someone at 6'7. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a problem, I think. I mean, the thing that I'm envisioning is that if ASU is going to play two semi big men, then they're going to have a problem figuring out how to handle St. John's lineup, which pretty much is at best, you know, it's like two small forwards and three guards. Yeah, ASU essentially plays with two guards, one bigger guard that's kind of a guard small forward hybrid, and then two forwards. That's what I would that's what I would see Hurley rolling out. Or that's what I would roll out. It'll be interesting. I think if uh if St. John's can get to the glass and really compete there, 
then I think that it'll be interesting. If they can uh, impose their will on turnovers, I think that'll also make mm-hmm. the game pretty interesting. Yeah, it's definitely not something ASU's had to face. But, uh, I mean, defensively, if they force tur- if St. John's is able to force turnovers, they'll do pretty well. But, man, if they struggle a little bit early, I think that a great way to counter, uh, you know, really pressure around the edge is having plenty of options to score with. And that's something that I think Cody Justice said in a press conference a few weeks ago is that, you know, if, you know, if we're all on, it's going to be just about impossible to stop. And, you know, they have four players averaging 15. Daquan Lake has, averaged, has scored 18 a couple times. So if St. John's doesn't get there with the pressure, I think they're probably going to have a long night. This is a pretty exciting matchup, I've got to say. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure about St. John's preseason expectations, but I think people knew ASU was going to be pretty good. And then, you know, these teams playing in Los Angeles, for whatever reason, uh, it should be it should be a good test for both teams. And then ASU, of course, has a huge matchup in Kansas this weekend. When is the Kansas game? That's on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, or maybe they'll be looking ahead. Yes, yes. <laughs> So you gotta, you got to think about all, all the different ways that you can convince yourself that, uh, that a team is going to win. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm helping the listeners out. See, they're looking yeah. ahead. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, Hurley did, was emphasizing that no one's really thinking about that Kansas game. But uh, I'm sure it's in the back of a few ASU players' minds, especially with the expectations. That's likely, you know, because the polls don't change until Monday. That's going to be a top 15, 16 matchup. Um, and then ASU gets Mickey Mitchell back, who is a forward from a uh, transfer from Ohio State for, on Sunday. So he won't be available against St. John's, but uh, he's definitely got to be thinking about his first his return to basketball in two years, and it's in uh, Allen Fieldhouse. That's pretty impressive. Even the whole set of matchups um, in the Hall of Fame Classic are you know, pretty, uh, are pretty interesting. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they brought this kind of, uh, this level of basketball to Los Angeles. I think it should be, it should be a good one overall. Yeah. You know, they're bringing a level of talent to, uh, Los Angeles that, you know, Lakers fans really haven't experienced in a while. So that's good for, <laughs> for Stable Center. Even the Clippers, I think you could, you could say that too, you know, yeah, I Oklahoma, guess now. USC, TCU, Nevada, that's, you know, this could be the kind of uh, the kind of tournament where all six teams make it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and you definitely the the victories you see here will be the same ones on that selection show that they'll say, "Oh, this was a great victory," or "This was a big loss for them." Yeah. So, well, with that, Max, I want to thank you for coming on. Do you have any other any other St. John's related questions for us? Uh, you know, not not really any huge ones. I'm just really excited to, to watch this game. I think the, the matchups are really interesting, and it'll be a heat check for both teams. For sure. I think for New York fans, it'll be a, a question of whether they can watch it. It's on the Pac-12 network, and I know a lot of the New Yorkers don't get it, but people on Twitter have been talking about ways. They're talking about ways of getting this channel, so I'm pretty excited that some people will be able to watch it. All right, well, good luck to ASU, and good luck to you, Max. Um, once again, do you want to tell people how to find you and your stuff online? Yeah, that's uh, at House of Sparky on Twitter or HouseofSparky.com. And then personally, that's at Maxwell with one L, Madden on Twitter. Great. Max, thank you so much for your time. I, we appreciate it, and we appreciate a little bit more insight into ASU. Uh, we'll you know, be seeing you on the Twitters. All right, sounds good. Appreciate you for having me.
And now let's close out with some listener questions. First, I got to say, we had one of our members, Nick, was staying up covering the Twitter for Rumble in the Garden for the Grand Canyon game, a game that started at 1130, ended at something like 2 a.m. Personally, I went to sleep, woke up in the morning, wrote the recap, watched it, and I was impressed with how many people were diehard willing to stay up and comment on the game. I think that's pretty awesome. It shows that there's something, uh, something, uh, something that's connecting with the fans, so that's pretty cool. Let's get to our listener questions. Um, CT24 asks, how many Big East games do you expect us to win this year? Uh, so, I mean, I'm not playing, but, you know. But St. John's, I expect them to win, I would say, eight. I'm going to go with eight. I feel like this is an eight and ten Big East team. I don't know that they're there yet for nine and nine or ten and eight. I think it could happen, but I think they need to be crisper and i think that the big east has enough coaches that will find the flaws and exploit them and then foul trouble with only you know eight nine players you know something happens somebody gets injured you got a problem uh we are st john's asks has bashir's game progressed i would say yes i'd say he's trying a couple of slightly different things and not necessarily bullying his way straight at the basket every single time that said by the numbers, it's basically the same. David Coombs asks, how should St. John's attack the experienced perimeter game of the, excuse me, of Sun Devil Hoops, especially if Lovett is out, uh, with a lot of care and a bit of hope? Um, I suppose the, the less tongue-in-cheek answer is that St. John's did a pretty decent job of attacking Grand Canyon of uh, and ha- has played without Lovett uh, in the past, I think Shamori Pons will have to be the linchpin of the attack, but it also um, it's dependent on Justin Simon being able to stay out of foul trouble and to stay within control of himself. Next, Mike asks, do you agree our out-of-conference play looks better with Nebraska beating number 14 Minnesota and... Um, and uh, who beat 24 Atlanta? What? What? Alabama. Dang. Wow. Um, I think the out-of-conference... Mm, out-of-conference looked good, but it could look better. I think... Um, eh, I mean, I think that it's a decent non-conference schedule, but it's not great. I think that there are, you know, three real cupcakes. I think Nebraska is a little less good than expected. Um, UCF and Missouri will kind of tell the tale. If they can blow up a bit over the course of the year and Arizona State remains good and St. John's takes care of business the rest of the way, I think that it's a decent out-of-conference schedule. It won't hurt you, but it's not the kind of thing that you know, uh, the selection committee will say, well, they went three and four against, you know, a bunch of top 25 teams, you know, which is helpful. But still at this stage, I think it's a pretty good skit. Um, James Deckinger asks an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. He asks, when are they going to bring back the basketball program? I mean, I'm talking literally. I used to always pick up a program at a game. I guess some people call it a scorecard. Either way, where did it go? I'm assuming they stopped printing it because a lot of people probably don't use it. You know, they use their phones, they use other devices, but I like a good scorecard. Dan Tran asks, if St. John's is on track, ahead of schedule, or behind in terms of meeting expectations? 
I would say a little bit ahead, but pretty much on track. I expected them to win most of these games, go two and one in Advocare. And yeah, I think this is uh this is kind of meeting expectations. I like that they're uh blowing out teams. I think that's a that's a pretty good sign. Next up, Steven Speary asks, status of Levette for Friday? So far it seems like Levette has flown out to Los Angeles and maybe will participate on Friday. I don't know yeah, I don't know how good he's doing or how much he'll be able to play, whether he's really pushing it. But this is a big game, and it's out west where he lived for a few years. Next up, Paul McCluskey asks, Who will step up and become the man in the paint for points? Well, in this game, I don't know. I think it'll have to be Justin Simon, or maybe it might just be Tariq Owens if the team can get up and down on the floor. But overall, it's hard to say. St. John's is a team built pretty much only to run, and and they're not really going to be a team that posts up and looks for their shots. Um, So we'll see. You know, it might be Marvin Clark. You might come and bring bring that old school big boy Big Ten game on Friday. It might be Kasum Yakwe, who I think could have a solid role in this kind of game, just being quicker and tougher than some of the other players. We don't know. And maybe it'll just be the fact that they have forwards who can shoot from outside and pull uh, Romello White and Daquan Lake away from the basket. But time will tell the tale. Thank you once again for listening to the Rumble in the Garden podcast. This is Norman of Rumble in the Garden, and you know you can find us on Twitter, you know you can find us on Facebook, and you can email us at rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate having Max uh, to come and help us with some Arizona State information. And if you are a listener, please take a moment to leave a nice comment on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Help our little podcast get a little bit bigger, expand its reach. This is Norman signing off. Thank you for listening once more.